Hey Bridgetown, and to all of you listening, John Mark Comer here. Welcome to the Bridgetown Daily for Monday, March 1st. Spring is in the air. It was a beautiful weekend. Yesterday, walking around the neighborhood our church building is in felt more like April or May than the end of February. And there's a palpable sense of kind of new life and possibility on the horizon. But we're still in an extraordinary year plus season of a global pandemic and societal meltdown at all sorts of levels and a real felt sense of pain and suffering and a kind of chronic exhaustion that we now carry around in our body. And on that note, I have some good news for you. Our reading for today is from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 1, from verse 3. Let me just read it over you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. I read a book last summer by a New Testament theologian on Pauline theology of pastoral leadership as vicarious suffering. You don't need to remember any of that. It was a New Testament theologian's take on the theme in Paul's corpus of writings, about 13 or 14 letters in the New Testament, such as 2 Corinthians that we just read, and Paul's theology of pastoral leadership as not only a form of suffering and suffering love, but as a form of vicarious suffering, not meaning that, meaning we suffer on behalf of other people, on behalf of the church, our brothers and sisters in the family of God. And what was really interesting is he said, Paul doesn't, you know, write or argue that our suffering is a substitutionary atonement, that it's it's not vicarious on behalf of other people. But there is a parallel between our suffering, those of us in pastoral leadership, and the experience of the church, meaning in the same way that Jesus let, of his own free will and volition, pain and suffering and cursing and death into his own life and body in order that healing and blessing and life could flow out of his body to the world, we function in a similar way. Not to that extent. It's not, you know, vicarious in the sense of substitutionary atonement. But in the same way, we let 
pain and suffering and accusation and criticism and disgrace and shame and hard nights and emotional experience into our body in order to let life and blessing and healing come to others. This is Isaiah 53 in Jesus' life, right? By his wounds, we are healed. Our iniquities were laid on him by his wounds or his stripes. We are healed. There's something really beautiful, whether you are in pastoral leadership or not at all, just if you're a brother or a sister in the family of God, about the idea that our suffering has meaning. Now, you know, many such as Tim Keller in his book on walking with God through pain and suffering, as well as secular intellectuals, have made note of the fact that secularism has little to nothing to offer in the realm of meaning or purpose to our suffering. There's no kind of greater transcendent cause behind suffering in the secular frame. But in the writings of the New Testament and the teachings of Jesus and in the kind of way of Jesus down through church history, suffering is rich with full-on meaning. In fact, most of the mystics and the great saints and the spiritual masters of the way of Jesus down through church history, east and west, across the world, have all said that prayer and suffering are the path that we walk on the spiritual journey to union with Christ, to theosis, to, to find our home in God himself. Because suffering, as I understand it, is the primary means by which we become people of love. That's the whole point of life in the Christian frame, that life is a spiritual journey off the kind of egoic operating system where we're run by what I want, what I need, what is best for me, which is an all based in fear and an attempt to control our life to shield us from all that we don't want to happen and to grasp after all that we do. This is the root of the human condition. The spiritual journey is a lifelong journey from that to a life of agape. And agape or love in the New Testament and the teachings of Jesus and in the writings of Paul and in the Christian tradition is a form of self-giving. It's a form of inner generosity. It's to will the good of another ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. It's to give your life away. Love is a form of self-giving. It's right to give yourself away to another. And all self-giving is a form of suffering. Ergo, suffering is the one, and some would argue, the only way, the only path we walk by which we become people of love, people of agape, people of self-giving. That all of the sudden, wherever suffering comes from, and there are different Christians have different opinions on that, but wherever it comes from, even if it's heinous in its origin point, even if it's straight from the pit of hell and the mind of the devil and not at all from God or his plans or purposes for you, wherever it comes from, it doesn't really matter. It goes to good if we turn it over to God. As Paul writes, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Our suffering, no matter how major or minor, whether it is anti-God or somehow in a divine plan, doesn't matter. It goes to us becoming people of agape. But Paul here has a whole other, as if that's not enough meaning, to help us deal with our unemployment right now or the breakdown of a marriage or 
the loss of a child who's walking away from the faith or the breakdown of a friendship or church or a scandal or you fill in the blank or disease or death itself, as if that's not enough like meaning to give us. Paul has a whole other layer. Not only are we becoming people of love, but our suffering is actually serving others in their suffering. Because what Paul is saying is as we experience suffering with God, we experience his comfort, a sense of often, not always, but often God's nearness to us in our suffering. Some argue that they feel more of God's presence in times of hardship, not less. And again, that's that's not for everyone, so don't feel that pressure on you at all. But as we experience the comfort of God coming to us in our suffering, building our character, our emotional resilience, our hope muscle, our kind of sense of expectation for the future, our patience, our detachment, our capacity for love, our inner sense of peace, and even of joy and contentment right where we are, as God does his very deep work in us, we then get to turn around on the other side and walk with other people in their suffering and give them hope and comfort them and pass on all the lessons that we've learned and all that God's done in us and through us through our own suffering and all that God is teaching us even now in mutual suffering. This is a rich and beautiful meaning. So today, as you go about your day, let's just take a moment to ask God what this could mean for us. Just invite you to take a few deep breaths and and as you attend to your breath, just the goal here is to attend to three things. Um, First, just to kind of attend to your body. You don't have a body, you are a body. Your body, as we said in the teaching yesterday, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Just become more present to your body. The next, as you just kind of ground yourself in the sensations of the body, to become more present to the now. Most of our mind stream is in the past or the future. What has happened or what will happen or what we fear will happen or want to just become right now. One breath in, one breath out. These aches, these pains, these joys, these gratitudes. And third, we just become present to God, that deep center in our body where our life is hidden with Christ in God. For God has always been with us since we were baptized in the Spirit, for he will never leave us nor forsake us. Or no matter what suffering comes or goes, or what joy comes or goes underneath the changing weather of our circumstances and all of our emotions and our thoughts and our desires is the bedrock. As Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And just open to that deep center point of your inner woman or man and just ask, God, who is there in my life today on the docket to see or somebody I could reach out to or call, text. Is there anything that you would have me say to them or do for them or a truth to share, to reach out? And now as we end, even where is the pain point in your own soul 
where you feel anxious or sad or scared or feel a sense of disappointment or grief. Just offer that up to God right now. Just God here. You don't need to fix it. Just give it away to God. And just receive the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit pressing down into your heart. And just say thank you. Amen.